My dear ones, may Jesus Christ be praised both now and forever. Amen. Last week, the church began a trajectory liturgically that will really come to fulfillment on the Feast of the Epiphany, weeks and weeks away from us at this time, but will be ultimately fulfilled when Christ returns in glory. This week, our country has lived through that cataclysmic event which has forever changed the path and the history of the world. As nations call our our country and our president-elect to seek his cooperation, his goodness, his humanitarianism, we know that things will really never be the same. The election has proven to us that we are a splintered people and that since the day of the election, while indeed we have dodged a very serious bullet, we're not on a perfect world or a perfect path. The cries for an end to racism, for an end to sexism, for an end to vulgar vulgarity, I'm sorry, that's redundant, for, for an end to militant and offensive vulgarity, show us how profoundly the rupture of the human person has, has come from the divine image and the plan of original holiness and original justice that the Creator intended for all of His creation since the foundation of the world. But all is not gloomy. It cannot be. Because if it is gloomy and we're just overwhelmed by the fracturedness of our world and of our country, we are defeated. And we know that because of Jesus Christ and his cross, we can never be defeated. Driving here this morning, I was reminded of one of my favorite liturgical texts. I'm a liturgical text kind of person. I love them. And, you know, if you take apart that opening collect, there's a magnificent line in there that we may persevere in doing good and accomplish. It's great stuff to pray on. But driving out here this morning as I was heading west, the sun just began to fill my car and to change everything around me, and everything that the sun touched. Frost began to wither away. Cars that were caked with frost on the windows began to open. The windows began to become clear. And I was reminded of this liturgical text, which is referred to in our first reading today. The text itself is, the rising sun will visit us with healing in his glorious wings. 
And indeed, the way the sun rose this morning and every day, it's as if the Creator is gradually unfolding His wings. And we move from the darkness of night and the darkness of sin and vision into the bright light of healing that comes in Christ Jesus. And in that healing, our unity as a people who believe as a people redeemed by Jesus Christ, as a people on an eternal pilgrimage to the kingdom of heaven. You see, the healing that Christ brings is not just an end to isms. The healing that Christ brings is our conformity to himself. We want to be like him. That means we want to know the cross. Because it will only be through the cross that we know resurrection. And by our conformity to him, we will know the life-giving mystery of his passion when we stand before him in the kingdom of heaven. This conformity will require, truly it will demand our witness. It will demand our witness not for what politicians have now begun to say, the freedom of worship. It's not the freedom of worship, dear ones. It's the freedom of religion. Worship is part of religion. The freedom is religion. One of the great benefits and blessings that God gave me in my life was that I had the singular privilege of spending two years by the side of the late Francis Cardinal George, the greatest intellect of the American church in the 20th century. He was also a man of tremendous holiness. I learned many, many lessons from his eminence. But the one that I will never forget is the day that he and I were together at a clergy conference. And somebody asked, one of the priests asked Cardinal George a question. And he answered with these words that have become immortal, but are often truncated in their quotation. His eminence said, commenting on the state of the church and society, I will die in my bed. My successor will die in jail. And his successor will die by martyrdom in the public square. So many times the quote is ended there. But the most important part of the quote that is always forgotten is what follows the martyrdom of his second successor in the public square. And his successor, his successor, the one who follows the martyrs, will begin to rebuild the shattered shards of civilization. To rebuild the shattered shards of civilization. You and I begin that rebuilding 
every time we come to this altar and receive the Eucharist and follow the King of Martyrs, our martyrdom, God be merciful to us, and that of our children and grandchildren will only be the martyrdom of desire. We pray that it will only be the martyrdom of desire as we more and more are transformed by and conformed into Christ. May our healing, that healing of the glorious wings of the rising sun, Jesus Christ, may our healing be to witness to the shards of civilization in which we live that true peace, true happiness, true success, the end of every ism is only found in Christ. To the teenagers that I see in this congregation this morning, this is your task. You must be the ones, you will be the ones who are given the shards of a civilization that sadly was shattered by your predecessors. But it will be yours to rebuild it. Cling to Christ. Learn everything you can. And remember that you are meant for greatness, for magnanimity of soul, and that there is nothing too difficult, too hard for you to do and to achieve when you do it with, in, and through Christ Jesus. And so, may we witness by our very lives every day that we may be found worthy of death in our bed or in a jail or whatever form of martyrdom, that we may know the healing of the glorious wings of the risen one, Jesus Christ. And in that way, we have truly won no matter where, who, or what is in charge. God love you, my dear ones.